From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. I feel like a new man. I really do. It's, it's cleanliness. I, I want to say it's the fall air. Uh, and believe me, there's been some moments where it's felt cool this weekend, but uh, it's still pretty summer-esque out there. Got to do with cleanliness here. Uh, hell yes, Mr. Rob Roop. Thank you very much. It's me, Mike. Mike Davidson lives. This is the podcast recording Monday morning. I, I, I passed out on the couch last night. I was just dog tired. Dog tired. So I'm uh, knocking this out before I go to work. And I'm doing this in a room uh, that has probably been its cleanest in months. Um, I, I started cleaning this like maybe a, about a month ago. And then I got sidetracked. And then... Uh, couple days back my wife came in and she finished up the job and oh my god i could actually walk through this thing it doesn't look like kids have touched this at all did a very good job um and uh i I don't have to worry about stepping on anything this might be one of the few rooms in the house where i don't have to worry about stepping on anything here in the nerd cave nerd room i won't call it the nerd cave it's the nerd room um so it's it's uh kind of inviting People could actually come here if they don't mind waiting through everything else that my kids have inhabited. Uh, but she did a very nice job, and I thank you very much. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, I can do something to make her feel better. By, by the way, our anniversary is about a month from now, so yeah, the pressure's on. All right, uh, yeah, this is clean, um, and I don't know if this is a trend with you or not. I really don't go out to eat a whole hell of a lot at fast food establishments. We went out twice this weekend, though. Uh, Sunday to Dairy Queen because, like I said, it's it's still warm in these here parts of Indiana, even though this is like uh, the first, this is the third, quarter this on the third day to fall. Uh, it was still pretty warm yesterday, so we went to Dairy Queen. I got myself a pumpkin pie blizzard, not bad. Um, and Dairy Queen was all right. The day before, I took, Lana and Hazel to a McDonald's here in Fort Wayne that has one of those playgrounds, right? Uh, they, they, of course, they bought them two Happy Meals and they barely ate them because they went into the freaking playground and played there for about half an hour. They enjoyed themselves and their fries and burgers got cold, partially eaten. Um, but I know that a lot of restaurants are moving away from dine-in. It just seems like that's the trend. They're moving away from dine-in, and this one it kind of has uh, the the vibe of that spaceship from Alien, where it's kind of closed quarter, not a lot of space to move. The outside of the playground area, like this thing is just sterile, and just just not a lot of tables, not very comfortable. But I, we get there, there are no lids for the big sodas. They're in the cabinet, but nobody has gotten them. All the tables are dirty. In the restaurant itself, in the playground area, the trash is overfilled. And it just seems like the attitude of those who are working, uh, you just cannot be bothered. And it just I, I don't know if this is a trend elsewhere. Not necessarily in particular with McDonald's, but you know any, any fast food establishment. Does anybody ever uh, even give a crap anymore about uh, service? Um, I, I didn't say anything myself because I was just like, okay, the kids are here. They're just here for the playground. Once they're done, that, once they get their half hour, 45 minutes in, we're, we're out. We're out. And uh, we did that. Um, but if I, had, if, if I had some extra cash in my pocket and I'm looking for some place to eat, running errands by myself, I wouldn't go back to this particular McDonald's because it's, it's kind of a hole. You know, um, 
and I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't know if that is a trend. I hope to God it's not a trend. All right, so the big news from last night is that it looks like the rider strike is over after uh, I think 150 days, and they say that this is a good deal. They haven't released the details of this good deal just yet. I'll probably have to comment on that next podcast. Uh, the the strike itself is not the, the to be more specific the picketing is on pause the strike is all but over like uh, they're saying it could end by Tuesday once everything is ratified and everything is signed and it's a good deal that we'll see uh, we'll see what happens the uh, the actor strike still going on um, I'm kind of mad about it because. You know, it really didn't affect my life a whole hell of a lot. I'm sure it didn't really affect your life a whole hell of a lot. I guess the downside is that uh, they're saying that late-night television could be back in action in as soon as about a week or two. That in itself, kind of, because those guys are hacks. I guess guess Bill Maher was right when uh, he said he decided to put his decision on pause with the scab show because I I really hadn't heard anything about prior about uh, things are looking promising. So he doesn't look like, kind of, he doesn't look as bad as he did a week ago when he decided to put the scab edition on pause. Uh, So we'll we'll see what goes from here. But I I, I do know, my my theory is, a lot of people will stop, will just continue on with their lives. Uh, The late night guys will probably see a dip in ratings. So I don't think there'll be this triumphant return to late night. There will be, but there won't be. In the media, there will be. It will be played up so damn bad. So damn bad. But the ratings will tell a different story. And it may be as little as like a 5% dip in ratings. Maybe even a 10% dip in ratings for a lot of these guys. But the thing is, is uh, they, they all tell the same jokes. That was the problem. They are, and I've said it before, they are basically the same talk show. There is no difference between the two them. I mean, hell, you got two Jimmys for Christ's sake. Uh, you know, and and I'll be very interested to see if this uh, does indeed spark some uh, spark some motivation with the actors' strike to get that resolved. Because that seemed like, like I said, I I had some sympathy with some of what the writers were bringing up, but a lot of it they brought on themselves. Actors, not so much. So we'll see. Uh, big weekend in uh, football for me. Colts won. They still don't have an offense. They have a great defense, and uh, and and I just I'm happy about the way they played. Gus Bradley is a great defensive coordinator. Of course, he won a ring with uh, Seattle. Uh, they beat the Ravens on the road. I don't know if the Colts are for real because, like I said, they have to like learn how to move the ball on offense. Uh, they they took them into overtime just to get 22 points, uh, and 12 of those points came. Uh, actually, 15 of those points came from uh, Matt Gay, their kicker, who had four, four kicks over 50 yards on the road, some of those in the rain, uh, same place where Justin Tucker plays as a Raven. And Justin Tucker's a tremendous kicker. He had a, he had a good kick or two uh, during that game. Um, but the, the Colts pulled it out. Good for them. Dolphins curb stomp the Broncos 70-20, to 20, a 50-point blowout. I think this is only the fourth time in NFL history that a team has hit the 70 mark. That's crazy. I mean, the Ravens, I mean, not the Ravens, the Dolphins do have uh, some great weapons on offense. And uh, when they're going, obviously they can go. But I don't know if this is so much a, uh, 
I don't know if this is so much uh, them being good on offense as it is the Broncos just outright sucking as a team. I mean, I looked up uh, during my game and I saw that box score and I was like, is is this even legal? Is this even legal? <laughs> oh, and uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey continue to not date date. Uh, he invited her to go watch the Chiefs blow up the Bears yesterday. And Bears are a team that are, are struggling tremendously. Not as bad as the Broncos, but still. Uh, and so now everybody's like, oh, well, they're a power couple and uh, a future breakup song for Taylor Swift. I don't know. Like, uh, Travis Kelsey, I mean, he's got two rings. He's, I think he's going to Canton. I think he's going to the Football Hall of Fame, him and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, he's already got two Super Bowl rings. Uh, he's, he's had a great career. But, I mean, if you wanted to build a legacy, do you really want the outside attention that dating Taylor Swift would bring. And I'm not saying, I don't know. I don't know what exactly I'm saying. I just I just know that uh, they've struggled with some of Patrick Mahomes' family uh, <laughs> trying to hawk the spotlight. I'm not saying Taylor Swift would be that obnoxious, but with her, the whole world is watching, and now the whole world will be watching the Kansas City Chiefs if they weren't already. So I'm wondering what that will do to the dynamic of the team uh, during the season. Alright, so Usher, it was announced yesterday, it was announced Sunday, will be doing the Super Bowl halftime show in Las Vegas this year, which doesn't really offend me because it's Usher. Um, not, not that I'm a big Usher fan, but I, I was going to tell a retirement home joke on the Facebook page, but then uh, I did a little Googling and he is 44 years old, I am 43 and in looking at this guy, it's like, no way is this dude 44. He still looks uh, pretty spry for his age. I make it sound like he is in a retirement home here. But, uh, you know, I've said it before, rock music is pretty much dead. It'll never, um, it will never have the impact it once did. So I'm not going to gripe about, oh, well, you know, Foo Fighters should have done that. Or some goat drink, uh, goat blood drinking band should be the headliner for uh, the Super Bowl. But uh, Usher is 44. And of all the other acts, I mean, you know, he was asked to do it. He's doing it. Last year, Rihanna did it. She did it. And then he had Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop Dogg uh, the year before. These are all older acts. Uh, who is the next generation of pop star to step up and do it? I mean, yeah, Taylor Swift could do it. Um, of course, uh, I, I wonder if that would have been a conflict of interest if she said she would do it and the Chiefs ended up <laughs> in the Super Bowl. I don't know how that would be. Hmm. But, um, but yeah, just uh, Usher's doing it. I'm not upset about it. And we'll see what happens coming up in February. Michael Caine is 90 years old. And uh, I have an interview linked up with him on uh, the Mike Davidson Facebook page. And uh, this dude's just an effing legend. Somebody, uh, the, uh, the internet trolls were kind of uh, pissed off at him. Uh, because he was talking about how, like, back in his day as an actor... Uh, you didn't need intimacy coaches on the set of movies. You just did your job uh, if you're doing a romance scene. And, uh, you, I mean, you I don't think he was a dick about it. He just said, I we didn't need that sort of stuff. And now all these people are talking about how he's an old man uh, yelling at a cloud. I don't think it's so much an old man yelling at a cloud with Michael Caine as it is him just not giving an F about... Uh, modern standards and he even said it i mean he's 90 years old he's probably not going to get a whole lot of uh uh romance roles and he says he is 
partially retired. He's not officially retired. I think he will uh, come out and do uh, the occasional movie. But again, he said he's 90. He's closer to death than anything. But it's something that will greet us all. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that is his uh, typical humor right there at work. And uh, yeah, he's right. He's right. Um, but uh, I don't think he gives a shit. If these people think he's an old man yelling at a cloud, because he said it. He's 90 years old. He can say whatever the hell he wants to say. And he's got two Oscars. So hats off to this dude. All right. Bob Ross, uh, the late, great Bob Ross, uh, who uh, just had one of the greatest gigs on television. Uh, you know, he His first painting ever uh, this weekend, it was announced that it was going to go on sale. He's going to go on sale for $10 million starting out just about. And, of course, he's got the Bob Ross signature at the bottom. He did a lot of uh, nature pictures. He would knock this stuff out in about half an hour time and did it very efficiently, very well on television. But that, that's the problem, though, is with Bob Ross, okay, you get one of his paintings, you're paying $10 million for it. And, yeah, it, it looks pretty decent there. But um, the whole point about Bob Ross was watching him in work how hypnotic and calming that was that was what made it great just watching him do what he did i mean and he would take basic strokes and pull all this stuff together and make it look the way it did it was watching the freaking process at work and somebody's going to get something that does not include watching that process i mean maybe you could go back and watch him do it on YouTube or Netflix or wherever. But that's just the thing. For a, a, a fraction of 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 that price, you can watch him do that. Whereas, like, oh, yes, I've got a Bob Ross that's hanging up right here next to my Rembrandt. You know, that that in itself, I don't know. It, it, uh, it, it seems like a robbed experience, and you're paying a lot of money for that robbed experience. That's the only way I can really describe that. So delving into the realm of pop culture, as I usually do, uh, new beef film coming out with uh, Terrence Howard and uh, Dolph Lundgren. And it, it, on its face, it looks all right. It's called Showdown at the Grand. And uh, I guess uh, Terrence Howard plays the proprietor of this old movie theater, family-owned, family-run. And uh, Dolph Lundgren plays this old-aged... Uh, action star and they team up to take on what is described as greedy capitalists uh, who want to tear this down for developmental purposes and it looks like cheesy B-film fun but I mean greedy capitalists it's like how do you think this theater makes its money I, I, and I posed this question on Facebook and uh, Joe Pretzel chimed in with popcorn he's not wrong they do overcharge for popcorn but I mean a lot of that does pay for the lights but I mean People go to the theater to see a movie they want, to uh, pick and choose what they want to go see with the income that they can dispose of. Uh, and that's and that's uh, for their own pleasure. There's a little bit of greed in there, right? Maybe not to the point of a developer, but take, kind of taking a shot at um, capitalism as a whole. It's just like, yeah, okay. Uh, better film would have been, okay, what does this theater have to do to stay in business now that everybody's on strike and we don't have any new material and maybe uh, maybe you do uh, a live action movie with a retired uh, action star like Dolph Lundgren and uh, you just you follow him around with your smartphone and 
you capture him doing crap and you put together a haphazard film. They're just like, this is his latest. He's going around fighting crime. I don't know. I, that, that seems to be uh, a bit more of a pulled from the headlines than, oh, hey, we're another greedy capitalist developer, like uh, a plotline from the 80s. I, I would have kind of taken a swipe at Hollywood, but then again, that would have taken some balls. Okay, so we're going back to Taylor Swift here. A little bit here. Uh, the Eras Tour is probably the biggest damn thing uh, happening in uh, concerts right now. I mean, it is. Uh, and with that comes the uh, the ability to profit. Profit, make money. Um, you know, you buy the tickets, you resell the tickets, you make the money. Well, the IRS is going after anybody who scalps Taylor Swift tickets because they want the money. They're government. Uh, in particular, anybody that makes over 600 bucks selling these tickets. And look, um, it, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot for me to side with anything uh, pro-Taylor Swift, and making money with Taylor Swift. And uh, that a lot would be the government. Uh, so, like, if you uh, do this on StubHub or any of these other sites, you need to fill out a tax, uh, tax form uh, and all that stuff. And if you don't, they're coming for your money. If you bought these Taylor Swift tickets uh, on your own and you sold, resold them, they want the money. Never mind that they made tax revenue off of the initial transaction. Uh, forget that. They need to make more money off of another transaction. They want to get it on the scalping game. See, it's only illegal uh, if they don't get money. And a lot of this comes from uh, the true victims here, because I guess uh, not too long ago, the White House uh, uh, hosted a bunch of music execs that were concerned <laughs> about these ticket scalpers doing this. It's like, bullshit. You guys already got your money off the first transaction. Uh, you're just pissed that somebody can get away with uh, uh, reselling these at a, at a higher value. That's all... And, and be, not because you think that they're victims. I think you guys like the fact that uh, people are cashing in thousands to go spend three hours at, and look at Taylor Swift. I think you guys love the fact that they're hiding themselves in masks and uh, uh, to, not to get in trouble with work and to wear diapers to the effing concert. You guys have no problem with that. You have a problem with other people making more money. And by the way, when somebody scalps these tickets, they're not making the same amount of money as these record executives. I mean, sure, they're uh, they're selling them for a, a few hundred, maybe a few thousand dollars more, but it's only like a few of these goddamn tickets. It's not the whole era's tour. You know what I mean? So the the White House, the IRS, is acting is acting like the. Uh, the good guys for these poor ass record execs uh, who, who are just pissed off that somebody, uh, anybody uh, can make a little extra dough at this. And so the, the IRS is coming from them. And of course, the IRS wants that revenue because, damn it, we're about 33 trillion in the whole federal wise. And uh, we got to do all we can to uh, get blood out of that uh, that rock. All right, so more Leslie Jones bitching uh, in her book about uh, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. And by the way, for all the griping about guys and uh, Ghostbuster fans griping about the 2016 original, there seems to be a lot of griping from those involved with uh, the 2016 uh, sequel. And Leslie Jones is that person. She's got a new uh, book coming out about herself. 
already talked about how she didn't make enough money in that film, and she's right. Uh, everybody else in that cast was overpaid uh, because that that movie did not do well. It left a bad taste in a lot of Ghostbuster fans' mouths. And uh, more things came out of this book. She was upset about what Jason Reitman, the son of Ivan Reitman, the guy that uh, directed the sequel that everybody liked, had to say about the sequel. Like, she was just taken back by the terrible things he said uh, just before going into filming Ghostbusters Afterlife. I guess he said this on Bill Burr's podcast. It's it's scandalous what he said. <clears throat> yeah, I got it right here. Quote, I'm trying to go back to the original technique and hand the movie back to the fans, end quote. And she says she would never forgive him for that quote, ever. What a victim, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to make something the fans love. And that hurt Leslie, uh, uh, Leslie Jones' feelings. But, and she also said in her book, uh, she's talking about her time on Saturday Night Live and how it turned her into a caricature of who she was. And I'm just thinking a skit show doing that to uh, to performers, that's that's unheard of. Never happened to Chris Farley, never happened to Am Sandler, Chris Rock, David Spade. That didn't happen to those dudes. Nope, it just happened to Leslie. This is somebody, I mean, Ghostbusters 2016, as bad as that was, I mean, she was in a major Hollywood production. Good or bad, right? She was on a, uh, an iconic television show. Saturday Night Live. A lot of comedians, comedians, comedic actors and actresses would you do anything to get on that show at one point. You know, it, it seems like you know you're knocking off a lot of your check marks on uh, what you want to do to do professionally. And here she is in this book, upset about this stuff. Going back to Michael Caine, um, yeah, he I think had a book and he talked about how he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. For uh, Hannah, Hannah and her sisters back in 86, 87. Uh, he was not at the awards ceremony because he was off uh, making Jaws the Revenge, which is, as much as I love Michael Caine, a shit movie. It is a terrible movie, terrible sequel. And people were asking if he regretted it. And he said no because he was able to buy a nice house for his mom or something. Like he could get a, get a house with a pool. He still got paid. He still got the Oscar uh, for his performance in that Woody Allen movie. Uh, he just didn't have to sit through a boring jerk-off circle to get it. Life goes on, you know. Uh, and I think that's the attitude you have to have. And here's Leslie Jones, and she's upset about some of these successes. She could be making jokes about some of this stuff. But it seems like she's a little more upset about achieving this stuff. And she's already, you know, putting out the book. And I... I, I would happen to think that she's a, a bit younger than Michael Caine, and she still has time to uh, to achieve some of these uh, dreams, these goals. But, you know, you, you do a couple things. Now you write a book because you have to cash in. Otherwise, people will forget you. I don't think uh, anybody's going to forget about Robert De Niro. I mean, the dude is an Oscar winner himself. And, uh, you know, he's been in so many iconic movies. Uh, not as of late, though. Uh, well, I, The Irishman was all right. It was just too damn long. Uh, but there was a rumor that he was doing a commercial for Uber over in Europe. 
and it would uh, riff on his Travis Bickle character from Taxi Driver, uh, 1976, Martin Scorsese film, great film. Didn't win the Oscar for that, but still a very iconic performance, and it would reprise that rule somewhat in this commercial. And he's denying that he's doing that. He's not bringing back Taxi Driver. Uber's saying, okay, we are filming a commercial with him. He is not doing that. And it sounds like a terrible idea. And chances are we'll probably see it in the Super Bowl ad. Because those commercials are pretty cringe anyway. Uh, there's no such thing as a bad uh, bad commercial idea with those folks. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I remember when they did the uh, uh, that, that pop snack thing with Breaking Bad. And it just it didn't hit right with me so if i was to see this ad you know and thinking about how intense how dark how brutal taxi driver was and here you are hey uh let's use this movie to sell to use to, to sell a taxi uh, service driven by strangers no thank you no thank you not doing that uh okay so this uh, restaurant, this Vietnamese restaurant out in California, uh, has a unique way of charging its um, its customers, and this this kind of caused a uh, rage on the uh, the internet. But then again, what doesn't cause a rage on the internet nowadays, right? Uh, this customer put a receipt online showing uh, the uh, gratuity charge that they decided to uh, bestow upon them. Because I, I get if you have a large party. Going into a restaurant, going into a restaurant, and it takes up uh, the time and efforts of one, maybe two or three staffers, uh, and they can't get to other tables. I, I can't. I get it. I get it. You have to charge them a gratuity, uh, baseline gratuity. I think of like eighteen percent. That's pretty much restaurant policy, I believe. Well, uh, it's a little more stringent at this restaurant because they charged this customer an eighteen percent gratuity. For a party of one person or more. One person or more. That's not a gratuity. That's just a price hike there, dude. Because uh, you, you can't have a customer less than one. So you walk in and order. Uh, hell, you just basically... You, you basically have to tip. And a lot of people have been bitching about tipping culture. About how, like, with a lot of restaurants uh, at coffee shops... Any place where you don't have a wait staff, you go in and they're asking for gratuities at the register. They're asking for gratuities at the jars. They're asking for more than the standard 18%. Some places think that 25% is the way to go. And this Vietnamese restaurant is just doing it. It's just like, look, look if you're just going to do that, just raise the rates on your prices. That's all you have to do. Um, but I do think that tipping culture gets out of hand. But the thing to do, the best way to fight back is, okay, you tip 18% baseline for good service for those who have a wait staff, not who has a glass jar by their freaking register. Okay, uh, the problems in California. Go back to India. I, I think I made mention of this, the uh, power wheel dude. Down in Vincennes, Indiana, he was high off of life as well as some pot and meth, and he got pulled over driving a power wheel down the road by an officer. And uh, details have emerged, have emerged from, if I can get to it, have emerged from that arrest. And, uh, like, they have it on video. I have it linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, but uh, this is an excerpt from uh, OutKick that uh, printed part of the arrest. 
the officer then conducts some field sobriety tests on the man. When he fails those, the trooper informs him that he needs to be taken to the hospital for a blood test. In one of the funnier moments from the entire arrest, the trooper calls for a tow truck to remove the toy jeep from the scene. Uh, the arrestee explains to the officer that his trips riding around in the toy jeep have become fairly routine. So he's uh, telling the officer, hey, I'm a, a, a repeat offender. He also recognizes the situation he finds himself in and its potential to make him famous. Well, that's what matters in the end is uh, not your personal health, not uh, dignity, but the fact that people will go, hey, you're the power wheel guy high off of meth. And chances, I mean, like, I, I do have this linked up on the Mike David's Facebook page, but I mean, I don't even think this cracks the top 100 in terms of uh, trending worldwide. I just, I posted it because I just found it funny that like, I would think this. But let's say, let's say this was the top trending thing on Twitter, X, Facebook, or whatever. Uh, you know, it had the hashtag, you know, toy Jeep, power wheel, whatever. Even so, like in a week, people would forget about it. People would forget about it and go on with their lives and not give a shit about this guy. Uh, but uh, he's thinking, hey, this is great. I'm getting arrested for being a drug user and riding around a toy Jeep with absolutely no dignity whatsoever. It's kind of a sad world we live in. And kind of, I mean, you know, very sad world we live in. All right, so moving on from that, Kevin Bacon, uh, celebrity actor, uh, he was on the Rob Lowe podcast recently. This is kind of a Halloween thing. And uh, he uh, bought a property, but he was told that he had to tear down a house because it was haunted on the property. And he acquiesced, he did it. He did toy with the idea of taking boards from the porch of that house and putting them in uh, his house as decoration, but his wife, Kara Sidrick, said, no, 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 you're not bringing this crap in. And, you know, on the word of somebody that this place was haunted, he tore it down. I don't know if that sounds sane, but the, the more I thought about it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fairly skeptical on a lot of stuff. The more I thought about it myself, I'm not a big fan of voodoo or spooky stuff. Uh, if I think a place is spooky, I'm not going in. If it's a murder house, I'm staying away from it. If the place is haunted, yeah, I'm not bringing any of that crap in. You uh, you light a bonfire and let those spirits go back to hell, I guess. Oh, and uh, uh, keeping in the Halloween spirit, Beverly Hills uh, for Halloween has uh, outlawed toilet paper and silly string just because it makes a mess. It's a 24-hour ordinance, so once November 1st hits... Go ahead and teepee the hell out of that mansion, California. All right, we are uh, getting closer and closer to spooky season. Until next episode, stay fresh. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at davidsonlives.